Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. Morning, City Walk Church. How are we doing this morning? All right. How are we doing online? We have some people that are watching online too. Well, it is uh, glad that you're here and it is good to dive into a brand new series that I think is going to be real helpful, whether you're somebody that has been following Jesus for a long time, or maybe you say, you know what, I, I'm not really sure what I believe about this whole Jesus thing and faith thing. I'm, I'm not sure about this. Proverbs is one of those books in the Bible that you can find something that will be helpful for you immediately, no matter what age you are, and no matter kind of where you are in your faith journey. Uh, this past week, uh, I had a, a fu- fun opportunity. I was able to go hiking in Yosemite with uh, several other church planners, and uh, we did the Clouds Rest uh, hike in Yosemite. And so uh, we went there. We had a great time. It was about an eight-hour hike. Uh, this is at the top of the hike, and uh, my daughter, I, I went down about 20% in coolness because I wore that hat. Uh, but other than that, uh, it was a fun hike. Uh, but, but we had a really good time on that hike. And it, it was good because, a lot of reasons, it was good because we were able to, you know, do a, a kind of a challenging thing together. But it was also really good because all of us are pl- church planners. And so all of us are kind of in the same stage of, of what we're doing. And so you, you know how it works. When you get around people that are maybe in the same boat as you, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a grandmother, when you get around people that are kind of in the same stage of life, going through some of the same things, man, it's great to just hear how other people are doing and and hear how some of their experiences are and to learn from each other and sharpen each other and to maybe get some good advice from somebody that you feel, man, is is a credible person that could give advice. And that's what happened. Uh, we, We were able to it was about an eight-hour hike, so man, we were able to just kind of pair up at different times and just talk and, and encourage each other and get advice from each other and things that were real helpful. As you think about your life, when you want to get some good advice, who do you go to? So, so who in your life when, man, there, there's a, a big decision to make, when there's something that might be challenging ahead, when you're going through a season of life that maybe you haven't experienced yet, who, who do you go to when you really need some good advice? And, and maybe you've had this experience where you've, you've talked to someone and the advice they gave you, you thought, man, this is great advice until you actually applied it and you thought, man, that actually didn't work out as good as I thought it would when they told me. And I thought it was great advice. When I was in college, I went to college in upstate New York. And I was from, I grew up in Florida. So in Florida, not a whole lot of wildlife other than alligators and lizards and stuff like that. But when you meant upstate New York in the Adirondack Mountains, there's 
all kind of wildlife. And in fact, and I didn't experience this a lot in Florida. I mean, you have to really be careful when you're driving because things will jump out in front of you, deer, raccoon, all these different things. And so my friend, he, he said to me, he was a little older than me, and he, he gave me some good advice about when an animal goes before, in front of your car. Because again, I'm from Florida. Every now and then you get a bird or a raccoon, but you, we don't have a lot of deer or moose jumping out in front of our cars in Florida. And so he said, hey, here's what you do. Whenever something jumps out in front of you, don't try to weave away from it because you'll end up killing yourself and hitting the thing. Just aim for it and it'll get out of the way. If you just aim for it and try not, don't try to swerve out of the way and kill your family and then you end up hitting it. If you'll just aim for it, these animals are good. They'll just get out of the way. And so I was, I was driving one day and there was this probably like close to extinct, magnificent bird like uh, that was in the road. And I literally thought the thing that my friend said, I mean, I don't want to hit this thing, so I'll just drive towards it and it's going to get out of the way. And it wasn't very good advice because the, it didn't go well for the bird and it didn't go well for my conscience. I literally, I, then I was in that spot and you probably like, your thoughts of me are going to go down after this when I tell you this. I was in that spot where like I hit this bird what do I do? I don't, I feel like a dog. I feel terrible because of this bird. So what do you do? Like it's, I can't heal this bird. I don't want it to suffer. And so I did what only I knew to do. And like, well, if I hit it one more time, it's probably going to go to heaven if it knows Jesus. And I didn't want it to suffer. And so, but, but again, that's, again, I know what you thought of me just went down a couple notches because of that. Uh, and there's probably picket signs out front from like animal rights activists right now that are lining up. But, but it, that's an, it, one of those examples of some advice that when I heard it, it's like, oh, that makes perfect sense. And then when I actually experienced it, it didn't go as well. And, and in our social media driven world, man, we are bombarded with advice. And most of it's not good advice. We, we see it, man, you go to social media, you can go right now and you can get a bunch of people that don't know a lot about anything telling you all the ways you should run your life. And everybody gives advice. And for the most part, we can probably all agree, most of it's not great advice. But unfortunately, it has ramifications on our life and we unfortunately allow it to influence us. And because we don't get a lot of good advice, it has ramifications on every area of our life. It affects how we think about our marriage. It affects how we think about parenting. It affects how we think about authority. It affects how we think about you name it. And the advice that we get that we don't even seek in our world, man, it, it has ramifications on how we see all those things. And, and over the next few weeks, we, we're going to kind of dive into a book of the Bible that was written by a guy that is known as the wisest man to ever live. His name's Solomon. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at, at this guy who wrote some of the, the scriptures in the Old Testament, and he wrote in a section of the Bible that's called the wisdom literature. He, he wrote a lot of the wisdom literature, and, and the specific book that we're going to look at is the book of Proverbs. 
And in the book of Proverbs, Solomon speaks into a lot of the areas of our life, and he gives wisdom that was very applicable when he wrote it, but is still applicable maybe even more in 2020. And in the very first verse, really the first phrase of the book of Proverbs, Solomon, he introduces himself. It says this. It'll be up on the screen or you can, you can get it in your app. It says this. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. So, so this guy Solomon, he, and, and you see this a lot in scripture, that the first maybe phrase of, of a book of the Bible, usually the author will maybe introduce themselves or, or say a little bit about themselves. And so Solomon says, hey, this is, these Proverbs are from Solomon. I'm the son of David. That means I'm the third king in Israel. So there was Saul, there's David, and now there's Solomon. And his mom is Bathsheba, and, and he's one of the kings of Israel. And, and here's what Solomon, and you'll, you'll see this as we kind of dive into this. Solomon was really known in the world. He was known for a few things. He was known, first of all, for his extraordinary wisdom. There were people that would drive leaders from around the world that would not drive. Uh, they would take a horse or something. They didn't have cars back then. But, but they would come to him and, and they would seek his advice. He was known around the world. And they, you can read through the scriptures. They would leave just astounded by his wisdom. This was a normal thing for Solomon. He would have people come to just talk to him and hear him, hear his wisdom and seek advice. Rulers of other countries. And, and he was known for the wisdom that he had. He wasn't a perfect king, but, but most historians would say that he was an extremely productive and very prosperous. He was known for his wealth as well. In fact, when I tell you about his wealth here in a minute or two, it's staggering how wealthy Solomon was. So he was, he was known for his wisdom. He was known for his staggering wealth. He, he wasn't a perfect king. He, he began his reign probably in his 20s. So he's following King David, and he's in his mid-20s. He's leading a nation of about 4 million people at this time, which, again, in our world, 4 million is not a lot. But in that world, that was huge. So he's in his mid-20s. He's following, literally, the hero of Israel, who happens to be his dad, David. He's got 4 million people that he's leading. And early on in Solomon's reign, he followed God just like his dad David did. But then there was one night that Solomon early on in his reign had an encounter with God that changed the rest of his life. It, you, you find this in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 1. Again, he's in his early 20s. He's following God. He's trying to be the best king he can. He's, he's outmatched. He's, he doesn't know how to do everything. He feels a little intimidated by the job. And God comes to him, and it says this in 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 1, verse 7. It says this, In that night God appeared to Solomon and said to him, Ask what I shall give you. So imagine this. Like this is the ultimate genie in a bottle scenario. Like, God doesn't usually come to people and say, hey, what do you want? Just ask me, it's yours. But he comes to Solomon, he's this young king, 
And he's leading God's people. And he says, Solomon, ask what you want, man. What do, what do you want? What, what can I do for you? What do you need? And, I mean, think about it. If God came to you, what would you say? Like, buddy, you just, just mention it. It's done. What, what do you need? What, what, what can I do for you? And here's what Solomon's response. It says in verse 8, it says, And Solomon said to God, You have shown great and steadfast love to David my father and have made me king in his place. O Lord God, let your word to David my father be now fulfilled. For you have made me king over a people as numerous as the dust of the earth. And here's what he, here's what he asked for in verse 10. He says, Give me now wisdom and knowledge to go out and come in before this people for who can govern this people of yours which is so great he says man the the thing i need most i need wisdom i'm out of my league this is what i'm trying to do this is a huge step for me it's a huge thing that i'm trying to do i don't have what it takes i just god if you'll just give me wisdom that's what i'm asking for and, and so here's what God says in verse 11, God answered Solomon, because this was in your heart and you have not asked for possessions, wealth, honor, or the life of those who hate you and have not even asked for long life, but have asked for wisdom and knowledge for yourself that you may govern my people over whom I have made you king. Verse 12, wisdom and knowledge are granted to you. So Solomon, as I said earlier, becomes the wisest person on earth. People, like I said, come from all over the world to gain insight from this guy. He, he speaks 3,000 Proverbs, of which we have a few hundred in the book of Proverbs. I mean, just, he just talks and just wisdom flows out. And so God says, you, you ask for wisdom, I'm going to give you unmatched wisdom. But then he goes on and he says this, I will also give you riches, possessions, and honor, such as none of the kings had who were before you and none after you shall have the like. Basically, Solomon, not only am I going to give you wisdom, but because you didn't ask for riches or honor or a long life or for me to kick the tail of your enemies, because you didn't ask for those things, you ask for wisdom. And not only am I going to make you the wisest man that ever lived, but I'm going to give you unmatched riches that no king has ever experienced or will experience. You're going to be in a league of your own with your wisdom and with your riches. And so just to give you a little peek into his riches, just one source of Solomon's riches, just one source of his income was every single year of his reign, he was given 25 tons of gold. Every year, he reigned for 40 years, so you do the math, for 40 years, he reigned, and every year, this is just one stream of income, 25 tons of gold was given to him every single year. His wealth in today's money would have topped $2 trillion, his net worth. I mean, this guy was just, just a ridiculous money, ridiculous wealth, ridiculous wisdom. 
And as wealthy as, as he was, and as, as much as he had, the most valuable thing that he had that we now can lean into is the wisdom that God gave him that we see in Proverbs. In fact, what Solomon does is, what we're going to look at as we look at the first few verses of Proverbs, what he does is he, he sits down with us almost like he would sit down with his child. And he, in the very first few verses of Proverbs, after he's introduced who he is, he says, like, like he's sitting down with his beloved child, he says, hey, let me tell you about why these Proverbs are important and how they can benefit you. And then I want to give you the key to the whole thing. He says, there's, there's a key to this wisdom that, that is just, it, it's small, it's short, it, it, it's, it's in this first you know, section, and I want to give it to you after I tell you the benefit of wisdom, after I kind of lift wisdom up a little bit, son, I want to tell you the key to gaining this wisdom that I'm going to tell you about. And so he says this in verse 2, he starts kind of unpacking a little bit of the benefit and the importance of wisdom. He says this, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. See, the Hebrew mind, in the Hebrew mind, wisdom was much bigger than knowledge. And so when Solomon's talking about wisdom, here's what he's talking about. He's talking about the ability to apply knowledge. See, the word wise back then, it was actually used to talk about people that worked with their hands. The artisans that helped build a lot of the things that, that Solomon had built, when they talked about wisdom and the wise, they were talking about people that were taking knowledge and using it skillfully to build things. So when, sometimes when we think about wisdom, we think about, oh, smart person, a lot of information, a lot of knowledge, and that's a, a little part of it. But what Solomon's talking about is, hey, this isn't all about knowing a lot. This is all about taking what you know and how do you use it skillfully in your relationships and in your life. See, one commentator, he said it this way. He said, the pages of history are filled with names of brilliant and gifted people who were smart enough to become rich and famous, but not wise enough to make a successful and satisfying life. And that's what Solomon's talking about. As he's beginning to talk about the benefits of wisdom and, and why it's important. He's, he's not talking about just fill your mind. He's talking about, hey, this is what it takes to really not just fill your mind, but then to apply it to things below the surface in a skillful way. He goes on and he says this, he says, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence or discernment to the simple, knowledge and discretion to youth. He says, let the wise hear and increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. And so again, he's at the very beginning of this book, he's talking about, hey, here's what wisdom will do for you. It will give you discernment. It will help you in making responsible, responsible choices. It, it will lead you in the right way in your thinking, but also in your interactions. And, and one of the things he says that you'll see all throughout Proverbs is because is he'll, 
Many times he'll, he'll put the wise against the fool and he'll, he'll talk back and forth about the wise person and the fool. And he says this about the wise. Many times he says, a wise person is someone who continues to be hungry for wisdom. A, a wise person knows that they don't never graduate. They, they're always wanting to grow and learn more. And so he's talking again to a son, somebody he cares a lot about, and he's saying, hey, here's what wisdom is, and you need to be hungry for wisdom. No matter how far you get in life, you're always going to need to know how to apply knowledge skillfully. So imagine, you're sitting across the table from the wisest man and probably one of the most wealthy men who ever lived. He's just introduced himself to you. He's told you his name's Solomon. He's David's son. He's a king. He rules over four million people. And he's just talked to you about how wisdom, not just filling your head, but wisdom and really applicable knowledge, how important it is to your life. But then what he says is here, he says, all that doesn't make any difference if you don't catch this next thing that I'm going to tell you. All the, oh yeah, that's great about wisdom and it's important and yeah, everybody needs it. That's all great. But if you don't understand the key to gaining wisdom, it doesn't matter. And so you're sitting across the table from this guy and, he, and, and you're, you're like, man, where do I sign up? I want this. Because and maybe he does. Maybe he shares some illustrations of, hey, this person in their marriage, man, they knew all the right answers, but their marriage is still a train wreck. And this boss over here, man, he knows all the stuff in his mind, but man, he doesn't know how to treat people. And so his, his workplace environment's a train wreck. And so, man, you don't need any more illustrations. You're like, I get it. I know there's a bunch of people out there that have a lot of head knowledge, but don't know how to apply it to real life and be successful. So he says, man, what's the key? And he says this, verse 7. And this is the, literally probably the, the theme verse for the entire book. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning. That, that word beginning means the starting line. The, the fear of the Lord is the starting line of, of knowledge, of wisdom. Fools despise wisdom. They, 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 make, they take it lightly. They ridicule it. They, they despise wisdom and they despise instruction. But the fear of the Lord is the beginning. And so when you think about fear... You, you, you think about like spiders. Maybe you're afraid of a spider... You think about a snake that maybe you're, I mean, when we think about fear, I mean, th these things maybe come to your mind. Like uh, there's, there's things that we're afraid of, man. We're afraid of, you know, I'm not, not real excited about if this guy's climbing on me in the middle of the night. Uh, actually, if any of these are climbing on me in the middle of the night, it's not going to be a good night for me. But, but when, when you think about fear and when I think about fear and kind of how we use the word fear, most of the time we talk about things we're afraid of. This past Sunday night, you'll never come over to my house now when I tell you this, but this past Sunday night, my uh, daughter and, and her cousin were coming home and they call us from like right out front of our house and we're like, they're screaming. 
And they're with you, the cousin's mom. I mean, it's like they're okay, but they're screaming. It's, so we go outside like, what is all the racket? What? Get out of the car. You're like 20 feet away from our front door. What's the big deal? And literally, this was weird. Right across the street, there was a clown on a hoverboard with a balloon just going back and forth down our street. And, and, you know, like, not like a happy clown either, like the, this kind of clown that I was just showing you, like back and forth. And, and, and he wasn't making faces. We're like shooting jokes at him to try to lighten the mood a little bit. And my daughter and her, her cousin, man, they were freaked out. I was a little freaked out too. Like, who is this guy that's doing this? But, and when you think about fear, you think like, that's what, when you talk about afraid, that's what I'm talking about. I'm afraid of a spider. I'm afraid of a, a clown going up and down my road in the middle of the night. I'm afraid of those types of things. When we think of fear, that's what we're thinking about. But when Solomon speaks of the fear of the Lord, he's not talking about your fear of a clown going up and down your road. Here's what he's talking about. When he talks about fear, he's talking about reverence for God that is expressed in submission to his will when he talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom he says reverence for God is the starting line for wisdom uh, another word that we use when we think about reverence or this this word fear that Solomon uses is the word awe like when I was on that mountain the just a few days ago like, and if you've ever hiked or you've gone somewhere like that, like you just, you don't have words. Like you, you're at the top of that mountain and you're just looking around. Like, you know, like you could fall 5,000 feet by going the wrong way. And it's, you're not necessarily afraid of it, but it's just, you're in awe of it. It's so big. It's so magnificent. It's so amazing. You don't have words. You respect it. It's, it's revered. And that's what he's talking about. Solomon says the fear or the reverence of the Lord is the starting line. It's the starting line to wisdom. And this is a subject that you're going to see Solomon all throughout this book of Proverbs. You're going to see him come back to this idea of the fear of the Lord. And what he means, he's not talking about being afraid of God. He's not talking about God being up there like this big judge just waiting for you to mess up and, and ready to like hit you on the head. What he's talking about is reverence for an all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God and awe. That's what he's talking about. And, and he, knows, here's, he knows this. He knows that acquiring wisdom is not a mechanical formula. It's not, hey, read these two books and you're a wise person. He, he knows it's much more than that. He knows it has to do with a right relationship with God. And this idea of awe and reverence is a big part of it. So, so let's be honest. Whether you grew up in church or whether you're somebody that's coming back to the church, maybe you're somebody that's investigating faith, maybe you're watching online, Let's can we all just be honest and say that religious people and organizations have hijacked fear. I mean, they, they, they've, they've used that fear of God thing maybe in ways that really wasn't supposed to be used. I mean, think about it. If your goal is to manipulate people and their behavior, if your goal is to pad your own pockets with other people's money, 
If your goal is to gain power for your ego, is there a better strategy than trying to use an all-powerful God as your tool to scare people into submission? Like, who wouldn't use that strategy if that's what your goal is? If your goal is to manipulate people's behavior and to, man, get money from people and to do some things that maybe you've experienced in the religious world that has maybe even turned you off. And, and unfortunately, the religious world, and, and I'm not talking, I'm not throwing everybody under the bus, but there are, there's people in the religious world that have used the fear of God in the wrong way. And they've used it to manipulate people. And that is not what Solomon's talking about. See, when we have unbiblical fear, when we have this, this unbiblical fear of God that he's, you know, he's kind of the guy up there, kind of when you remember when you would go to the little arcade and there was that game where you just like the, the moles heads would pop up and you would just hit them as they came up. And your goal was to hit every single one of them so you could get some tickets and get a candy bracelet or something at the end of the night. Well, sometimes that's what we think of God as. Like he, he's up there and he's got like the, you know, whatever. And he's, he's just waiting like, all right, Chris, it looks like you're about to mess up. All right, all right. You know, or, you know, probably I'd probably get hit a lot more than you guys would. But, but maybe, maybe you mess up once in a while too. And sometimes that's the way we see God. And so we, when we think about the fear of God, that's kind of what we think about. And when we have an unbiblical view of the fear of God, it, we have an unbiblical view of God. And here's what usually we do. We usually run. There's a couple things. We, we, we run because we're afraid of God. So, man, I don't want to be around church. I don't want to be around like love, people that are good, loving Jesus. Because like, in your mind, you, you kind of put all this in one bucket. And it's like, man, I don't, that type of God, I'm trying to just watch myself and keep myself okay because I don't want that God coming after me. And, and so it's almost like an afraid. And man, you're, you're like getting away from that kind of God. Or, or maybe if, if you have an unbiblical view of this fear of God and really an unbiblical view of God, you have a, maybe a view that's, maybe you're not running away from God, maybe you're not afraid of him, but you're definitely hanging your head in front of God because of shame. And you're, you're, you, you kind of have the posture of, yeah, I, I, I screw up all the time, God, and, and God's angry and mad and, and he could hurt me and punish me. And so it's almost like a shameful, and that's kind of your posture in front of God. See, when Solomon talks about the fear of the Lord and, and it being the starting line for wisdom, he, 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 he understood this. He understood that, that it wasn't, it wasn't a, a fear of God that was like, man, I'm afraid I'm going to run. God's all-powerful. And, and could he zap us? Absolutely. Like, he's all-powerful. But, but that's not what Solomon was talking about. And, and he wasn't, because Solomon, you read through the scriptures, you read through the scriptures about Solomon's daddy, and, and you find out that, man, the boy didn't always do all the right things, and his daddy didn't always do the right things, but, but yet he understood that the fear of God wasn't like a, I'm in shame all the time, I'm guilty all the time, and he, he understood that. Instead, for Solomon, it, in his mind, when he talked about the fear of God, he was talking about reverence for the power, the presence, the goodness of an all-powerful God. 
And instead of running or hanging your head, probably the most appropriate posture would be to just get on your face before God. And this is probably the most appropriate posture. And when you're laying down like this, you trust the people in front of you. Because I can't see. And when you lay down in front of someone, you do because you trust them. When you lay down in front of someone, you do because you worship them. When you lay down like that, which if you read through Scripture, you you find out that when people encountered God, it was almost an immediate on their face. And it wasn't on their face because they were afraid God was going to... It was on their face because the presence of God was just... They couldn't even talk about it. And and, and so as you think about this this fear of God and, and... ultimate trust and surrender to God. When I lay down in front of someone, man, there's ultimate trust. It's a place of surrender. And the only reason that we would want to surrender is knowing that, you know what? The plan of God is better than my plan. The love of God is bigger than I can imagine. The goodness and justice of God is perfect. And so my posture is not to run from God because I'm afraid he's going to like knock me out or, or hang my head in shame. My posture is surrender, trust. And Solomon says that posture is the starting line to understanding this wisdom. See, the starting line for wisdom is reverence for God. It's pretty simple. The starting line for wisdom is reverence for God, which leads me to one question. And and, and really, this question will determine a lot of other answers. It's real simple. Do you have reverence for God? Do you have reverence for God? If the starting line for wisdom is reverence for God, do you have reverence for God? Do you revere? Do you admire? Do you respect? Are you in awe? Of God, because when we admire, respect, or in awe of something, we treat it a certain way. When we don't admire or respect or in awe of something, we treat that a certain way as well. And so the question that we have to ask ourselves, whether we're watching online or we're here this morning, whether we're a follower of Jesus or maybe we're investigating faith is, hey, where, where do I think, how do I think of God? Do I think of God in a, in a way of reverence? Am I in awe of God? Because Solomon makes it really clear that the starting line for wisdom is reverence for God. So do you have reverence? See, one of the reasons this is so important is at the end of the day, if we don't have reverence for God because that is the starting line, all this other stuff we're going to talk about doesn't really matter. Because I'm not going to be able to apply this wisdom if I don't start with reverence for God. So so think about your own life. Do you want God's wisdom for your marriage? Do you want God's wisdom for your relationships, for your finances, for your future? Like, are you you good just kind of doing it your own way? Is that working? 
Or or would you say, man, I I would definitely be open to this idea of, of gaining wisdom from God, even if the wisdom of God tells me I'm doing something that I shouldn't do or directs me in a way that I'm not already going. Would you be willing to change if that happened? Because the starting line for wisdom is reverence for God. And when I start with reverence and humility before God, then he's able to give me that wisdom. And that wisdom may point me in a direction that I'm not already going. And I have to be willing to say yes. See, James, there was uh, James, Jesus's brother. Uh, he's a guy that for a lot of his life didn't believe that his brother was the Messiah. Like, think about it. Think about growing up with Jesus. Thinking about report, think about report card day. Like you're, you're, you're struggling in algebra, you're hustling and you make a B. Jesus is, oh, of course you made all A's again, Jesus, of course. Yeah, and, and, and so, I mean, he's perfect. He never, never, never got put in the corner, never. I mean, he always did things right. So I, I imagine, man, to, to think that your brother is God would take a lot. And at some point, what, what did it for James was when he saw his brother raised from the dead, that's when, his, that's when James said, okay, I'm in. I buy in. Man, my brother, I saw you die. I know what you claimed. You claimed to, to be God. You claimed to be the Messiah. You went to the cross. We mourned your death. But now I see you alive and I, I worship you because you're the Messiah. You are who you said you were. But, but here's what James said in his book when he talked about wisdom. He said this. He said in James 1, he said, if you lack wisdom, ask of God who gives it generously. But when you ask, don't be double-minded. Double-minded people are unstable in all their ways. James said, hey, if you lack wisdom, which all of us would say, yes, I lack wisdom. He said, ask ask God. And God will give you wisdom like he will pour. He's got buckets full of wisdom that he wants to give you. But you have to ask without wavering. You, you can't be double-minded. You can't be somebody that's like, hey, let me try God today, and then I'm not going to try God tomorrow. Like, I'll give you this wisdom. I'll give you what you need, but you have to ask without wavering in your mind. It's available. If you're willing to step up to the starting line, it's available. Like, buckets full of wisdom for days and days and days is available. But it's available only if you're willing to step to the starting line, which is reverence for God. It says this, because you, you, may, you, may you may think in your own mind, okay, so, so where do I start? So, so this idea of reverence for God, that's kind of a big thought. Like, can you, can you just put it like, could I take a step this week that would like move me towards this idea of reverence, which is the starting line for wisdom? Well, well the starting line really, and, and really a good first step is to, to admit this. Are you willing to do this? Are you willing to admit you are God? I am not. I need wisdom. That's a good starting place. It's a good starting place for for gaining wisdom. It's a good starting place for reverence for God. Are you willing? And and this is, man, whether you've been following Jesus for 40 years or whether you're investigating faith, would you be willing to say, you know what? You're God and I'm not. It doesn't say God on my, my license. It doesn't say God on my job title, but it does say God on your job title. So, so you are God, I am not, and I need your wisdom. Are you willing to 
just between you and God to, to admit that. Like, God, you're God, I'm not, and I need your wisdom. I don't have all the answers. That's a great starting place for moving towards reverence for God. But, but is, is anybody see anything in this, in this that, that gives you issues? Like, here, here's for, for most of us, if we're honest, these two words right here, we don't like. Like, we're probably not even that upset about the top line because, like, all right, yeah, I'm, I'm not God, of course. Everyone knows that. And you're not God. We all know that. Like, we're not, we don't have a big issue with that. But, but here's where it may rub us the wrong way is this idea of I need. Not like it might be helpful or I want. No, I need. Like for me to, to flourish, for me to be what God wants me to be, for me to be, be good in my marriage, for me to be a good dad, for me to, I mean, you fill in the blank with what's going on in your life. I need God's wisdom. I will screw it up nine times out of 10 if it's up to my wisdom. I need God's wisdom. I'm not God. He is, and I need his wisdom. And that idea is, is a short idea, but it's a great starting place for reverence for God. And so this week, to, today, my, my goal today wasn't to, to get you to, like, all right, let's sign on the dotted line for Jesus and, and read your whole Bible this week and all that. No, no. Would you, would you be willing to just admit what we just talked about? Or would you be willing to just this week say and kind of grapple with this statement, you are God, I am not. I need your wisdom. And, and you don't even have to make a decision of what you're going to do with that wisdom. Not yet. You just, you just need to come to a place, just like I do, where we daily realize, I need wisdom. And I don't need it from Instagram. I don't need it from Facebook. I don't need it from Fox News or CNN or whatever your news preference is. I need God's wisdom. And the starting line for wisdom is reverence for God. So would you be willing to, just this week, grapple with that statement? And then I want to challenge you with one other thing. And this is whether you're somebody that's a follower of Jesus, or maybe you're, you're not, maybe you're watching online. I want to challenge you with something else. Would you, while we're doing this series of Proverbs, so this is going to take us basically up to after Thanksgiving, I want to encourage you to do the Proverbs challenge. And here's what it is. I do it. My son and I, we, we do it together. I know a lot of people that do it. It's, there's 31 Proverbs. And what I do is on the day of the month, so today is today the 11th. This morning, I read Proverbs 11. Tomorrow, I'll read Proverbs 12. And I would encourage you, if you, again, you, not, you don't have to be a follower of Jesus yet. You don't have to buy into that whole thing yet. But you would just say, hey, I would be willing to just lean in a little bit. And, and, and just for the next few weeks, I'd be willing to take this challenge. And, and maybe you're already doing some other reading in the morning too. But I'd be willing to take five, seven minutes and read the Proverbs of the day while I grapple with that statement. You are God. I am not. I need your wisdom you be willing to do that? Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the wisdom of your word. And it's pretty amazing to think that we have Proverbs from a guy that lived several thousand years ago, even, even before you were born. 
lived a long time before you were born. And yet as we, we dive into the Proverbs, it's very easy and, and real, it's easy to see that, man, there's some great insight and wisdom for multiple areas of our life. And Lord, I pray as we seek to lean into that statement that you are God, I am not, I need your wisdom. Lord, I pray that, that you would help us this week, that you would help us to really grapple with what that statement means and represents. And Lord, if, if we're willing to take the Proverbs challenge and to read the proverb of the day, Lord, I pray that you would use your word in our hearts. I pray that you would encourage us. I pray that you would give us insight. And Lord, I pray that we would be courageous enough to listen and step forward into your wisdom and your best. Because God, you are a good God. You're an all-powerful God. You're a just God. And, and, and should you bop us over the head? Probably. If we were God, we'd probably do that. But yet you love us. You love us. And you desperately want a relationship with us. You desperately want to give us your wisdom and insight to live your best for our life. And Lord, we know when we do that, not only is our life fulfilled, but we bring you glory. And Lord, we want to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.